Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. So glad you're joining me today. We are talking about milling your own gluten-free whole grains into gluten-free flour mixes, blends. It's really wonderful for a number of reasons. It's super easy. You save money over buying specialty grains. Um, you get better results and it's healthier. So that's the topic today in our Home Grain Milling 101 series. Let me welcome you to Ask Wardy. This is the weekly show where I answer your questions about traditional cooking. Uh, the transcript can be found at askwardy.tv. You just look for episode 98. And if you want to catch up on the whole series, we started at episode 97 last week with the basics of home milling. So I'm really glad you're joining me on Facebook Live and Periscope. If you're there, share in the comments your first name, what you're sipping on, and where you're from. I've got good old water today. I've been very thirsty lately, and water is so satisfying. You can also share in the comments how familiar you are with home grain milling. You could put a yes if you've done it before, and you can put a no if you haven't. Um, and so we're just going to get right into the topic. Um, we're talking about home grain milling. I asked via Facebook and email a couple um, weeks ago, what do you want to know about home grain milling? milling? And I got nearly 200 replies, and it might be over 200 now because they still keep coming in. Um, so way too many questions answered in one episode, which is why we're doing a series throughout the entire month of November right here on Ask Wardy each week. Wednesdays. Same time, same place, but of course I always put up the recording and the transcripts at askwardy.tv anytime for you, so you can check those out anytime. Okay, so last week we covered the basics. Why would you want to mill your own grains into flour? What are the different mill types? Where can you buy organic grains for flour? How does a mill work? Things like that. Today we're covering gluten-free specifically. So many of us either know or ourselves have gluten allergy, which would be called celiac, or gluten intolerance or sensitivity. And so then you need to go into special grains, seeds, nuts, um, that would be considered gluten-free. And you can do this at home. A lot of it you can do at home yourself and you get way better results. So that's why we're gonna dedicate a whole entire episode to gluten-free home milling. All right, so we're gonna get into it. Um, with the first question that came today, actually three of you were asking this question, just like in general, what are the possibilities with gluten-free grains at home? Is it possible? Which ones can you do? Linda said, I didn't even know it was possible to mill gluten-free grains at home. Please explain. <laughs> okay, Linda. And Rachel said, hi, Wardy. I'd like to know all about milling gluten-free grains. I haven't decided if it's worth it to buy a grain mill, and if so, which kind? I can never get my rice flour ground finely enough, so I stick to buckwheat and oats that I do in my blend tech and sift, and she just purchase her starches, so she'd love uh, to use the healthiest and most frugal method, and of course you heard that she's also wondering, is it worth it to get a grain mill? Um, Ellen says, are there any gluten-free grains that should not be ground? 
Great questions. Well, to answer all three of you and everyone else who had similar questions, it is absolutely possible to mill your own gluten-free grains at home with great results. And I have several reasons that I think it's really exciting to do so. First, you can control which grains you grind. Um, so you can custom make your blends for flavor and performance. You can have lighter flour blends for, um, for lighter baked goods and you can have more dense for like those heartier baked goods. Um, so there's gonna be a great benefit there. You're gonna save money over buying gluten-free mixes or blends. If you've noticed, they're very expensive and a lot of them are actually high starch content. So, which leads me into the third benefit, which is you're gonna get not only better results, but you're gonna get a healthier end product if you do your own blends. Um, we do include starches for lighter baked goods, but in general, I just prefer to go with whole grains because I think that it's just better for us <laughs> to be consuming whole grains and not pure starches. Um, and also, it's easier and faster than you think. Really, you're gonna see in a moment a demonstration here using the mock mill where these flours are just gonna come out really, really fast. Okay, so you wanna know what are the gluten-free grains um, that you can mill and the grain mill types. So, uh, gluten is the protein in the typical bread grains. The one that we all know of is wheat, but you can go back to ancient times to um, the oldest variety of wheat is einkorn. There's also kamut and emmer and spelt. Those are um, kind of in between the oldest einkorn and today's modern wheat. Well, they all have gluten. And arguably, the gluten in the oldest ones, einkorn and spelt, um, is gentler and easier to digest. So, But even so, there's gluten. So um, someone with a true, true celiac, um, a gluten allergy, probably not gonna be able to have that even so. Um, but then there's other grains with gluten. So rye has gluten. So we're gonna be focusing on the gluten-free grains here. So amaranth, and, and some of them are not typically what you think of as grains. They could be classified um, in um, like, I, 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 is it agriculturally or, anyway, their biological classification, they may not be called a grain, a cereal grain, they might be called a seed or a pseudo grain. So all of these can be baked with those, so that's why we call them gluten-free grains, even though technically they might be a seed, okay, or they might be a nut. So amaranth, buckwheat, corn, millet, oats, if they're certified gluten-free, a lot of oats are processed in facilities where they're also processing uh, wheat or, um, Sometimes oats are grown on fields that also grow wheat from time to time, so there could be some cross-contamination. So that's why you wanna look for certain certified gluten-free if you have celiac disease. Um, and, and you do wanna keep this in mind with all your uh, gluten-free grains if you're dealing with celiac as well. Quinoa, all varieties of rice, sorghum, teff, starches like tapioca or arrowroot, which we use minimally, but they do lighten up your gluten-free blend. Um, potato starch is another that can lighten up a blend. You don't typically mill that at home, but it's another example of a starch. Um, almonds or other nuts, seeds. So you could have almond flour, you can have um, hemp powder, you can have sesame seed flour. All these could be turned into flours or meals. You might call them a nut meal. However, they too tend to be oily, and we're gonna talk about that in a bit. It has an impact on how you mill them. Uh, coconut can be turned into flour. And beans, even legumes, like black beans and white beans and garbanzo beans, um, lentils, they can be turned into flour as well. 
Okay, so I've given you the rundown of the different gluten-free grains, beans, nuts, seeds, starches that can be turned into gluten-free flours. Not all mills are going to do be able to handle all of those different possibilities though. So you definitely want to check your manual um, or do some careful shopping before you purchase a mill to make sure that what you have in mind can actually be done. And I'm going to give you some basics here. I'm going to briefly just go over it because last week in episode 97 I talked at length about the different mill types. So this is just a quick recap with regard to gluten-free. So you have the impact mills uh, like the Nutri-Mill. You're only going to be doing grains in the Nutri-Mill. So you can't do the nuts and seeds and things like that. Um, a stone mill, such as the mock mill that I have here, which is an electric, or the Wonder Mill Junior Deluxe, which is a stone mill that's non-electric, um, they can do grains, beans, and non-oily seeds, nuts. Um, then you have the type that's the steel or cast iron burr. Those can do grains, beans, and even the oily um, nuts and seeds. The Vitamix, which is sort of your high-powered blender, but it has a dry container that you can do some milling in. So that can do your grains and it can do all nuts and seeds, even oily. A uh, coffee grinder can do small batches of oily seeds. In fact, because my mock mill doesn't do the oily things, I use a coffee grinder for very small batches of ground up flax seeds and chia seeds. So find it just very handy. Um, cassava is also a popular gluten-free um, flour, I guess, but it comes from a root. And I could have mentioned it in the list before, but I didn't because I wanted to just mention it specially. Um, it's very popular in grain-free baking. In fact, right here on our site, Megan has shared several recipes and on her site, um, eatbeautiful.net, you'll find lots of cassava flour-based recipes, so pie crust and breads and things like that. Now, I don't know of any way really to grind it at home, so I just mention it as an option for you. Um, we recommend the Autos brand and you'll find a link with the show notes to, um, to cassava. So I know that's a lot to sort through. What are the different ones you want to use? It might take some trial and error. I'm going to give you a rule of thumb here that when you're baking with gluten-free flours, uh, you definitely want to use a blend. Um, there are some exceptions to that, like there's recipes out there that are purely like almond flour based or coconut flour based. But if you're talking about the grain type, like the amaranth and millet and quinoa, um, those don't perform very well on their own. So you're gonna get a much better result if you blend them together. So like here in this bowl, they haven't been blended together yet, but I ground teff and millet and rice and quinoa. And all that's left now is to stir it together. And you're gonna get much better performance in your baking if you combine three to four to five different gluten-free uh, flours flowers. <laughs> this is because they have strong flavor and performance characteristics and so you, if you bake with them singly, like if you're going to make a gluten-free bread and it was entirely rice flour, it just tastes really strongly of rice. Um, and it may not rise or have the right texture, but if you blend a bunch together and even add some starch like we were talking about, you'll just get much more bland results and when I say bland that's really a good thing with gluten-free baking because instead of a really strong flavor or a really interesting texture the more different ones you combine the more you even the playing field so that the flavor from like your add-ins and your spices um, the more those things can shine and the more the flour is just there to hold it together hopefully that makes sense okay 
And it is very handy, you know, to, to um, make up a batch. So if you're running stuff through your grill, of course, your mill, of course, it's just like ready on the spot, but you can do more than you want and store it in the fridge or freezer. Um, in last week's episode, number 97, go to ask40.tv and look for 97. I went through very specific guidelines for storing your whole grains and your flours and how best to keep them for long-term and nutrition. So you can refer to that. But what I generally do is if I'm making a gluten-free blend, then I'll do more than I need and I keep it in the fridge or freezer. Okay, so at the show notes, um, I am gonna, I do have a couple uh, blend recipes. Now you can wing it. We're gonna do a demonstration here in a minute where I just put grains in and I'm just gonna fill a bowl with different grains and mix them. Um, but if you want to follow a recipe, I have a whole grain gluten-free blend um, typed up for you, and I have a lighter, kind of more all-purpose gluten-free blend for you. And you can use the, these blends one-to-one -one in your recipes, okay? In, sorry, one-to-one -one in your gluten-free recipes. Uh, if you're converting a gluten-based recipe to gluten-free, it requires a lot more. But if you're starting with a gluten-free recipe and they call for, you know, a half cup of this and one cup of this and of the different flours, where you could add up all the quantities and say you ended up with two cups, where you could use two cups of your blend in place of all those different ones. Um, or if it's a recipe like, you know, on the back of some container for like gluten-free biscuits and they say one cup of the gluten-free blend that came in that container, you would just use one cup of this that you've made, okay? So the whole grain gluten-free blend that is starch-free that we use a lot is based with rice flour, sorghum flour, buckwheat flour, and millet or amaranth. And you mill them and mix them together. Equal amounts. Then we have an all-purpose light gluten-free blend that is rice flour, sorghum flour, buckwheat flour, and instead of the millet or amaranth, you're using a starch like arrowroot or tapioca, okay? So ask40.tv, episode 98, has those. And you can save it to PDF if you want. In fact, I just added that to the top of all our posts. Um, just hit the PDF button and you can um, save it for reading offline. You can send it to iBooks or whatever you use for reading offline, okay? So those are your blends. Um, and I'm gonna demonstrate on that in a moment. Next, I'm gonna tackle questions from Amy and Melissa who are wondering about dedicated gluten-free grain mills. And this is a really big question, so I'm so, um, I think it's really important that they asked and I'm glad we're gonna go over it. So Amy says, I would love to know what to do about cleaning my grinder between grinding gluten and non-gluten grains. Is there a way to use one grinder for both? Melissa said, I have a Nutramil. I used it for years, but I haven't touched it in quite a while because I'm gluten-free now. Is it possible to clean all the flour gluten out and use it to grind non-gluten grains without risk of contamination? So great questions, huh? And if any of you are gluten-free, which if you're tuning in, it's likely you are, you may have the same question. So the answer depends, and it depends on the severity of the reaction to gluten. Um, in the food world with food issues, you have celiac disease, which is a gluten allergy. So that person has a very severe reaction to gluten, should not have really any quantity of it. Then you have intolerances or sensitivities to gluten, which are less severe and may have delayed reactions or just difficulty digesting the gluten, but it doesn't cause the big issue that the allergy or the celiac does, okay? So in the case of allergy, and um, Melissa and Amy, you did not specify why you're gluten-free. 
but if it's the case of allergy like celiac, it's really best that absolutely no gluten get into your gluten-free flours and therefore your baked goods. So, but on the other hand, if a person is insensitive or intolerant to gluten, maybe a tiny amount is allowable. Um, which leads me to the conclusion that if you're celiac, gluten allergy, um, it's best to have a dedicated grain mill. If it's an intolerance or a sensitivity, of course you could have a dedicated grain mill if you have very severe reactions, reactions that you just really need to avoid, or it's possible that simple cleaning um, and um, just maintenance of your mill that you could do both. This mock mill in particular can be taken apart and you can blow it out, you can wipe it down, um, you can run just cheap white rice through it to kind of clean it. It's possible that there will still be little bits of gluten in there, which for a celiac may be um, just intolerable, don't go there. But for someone who's insensitive, who has a sensitivity or an intolerance to gluten, then a little speck of it would be okay and the mill could be shared with simple cleaning. This is very, very easy to clean. Today I was testing um, running almonds and coconut through it so I could tell you if it worked or not. Um, which they're too oily, but I just wanted to know for sure. And I very, very easily cleaned it, very easily. So in our family with our son who has gluten intolerance, we are using one mill and I just clean it in between uses. If I'm doing glute, like if I grind einkorn, then I'll run, I'll open it up after I'm done. I'll brush it out, wipe it down. I'll run some rice through it, discard that rice. You can just use a cheap white rice and then we'll do gluten-free grains through it. Now that works for us because we have an intolerance, not an allergy. So hopefully that makes sense, um, Melissa and Amy, to help you decide. I also wanna suggest that um, a couple things, like if there is a celiac disease in your family and you're, you're like, well, that's just too expensive to have two grain mills. One, maybe it's worth it to have a second one. I mean, it's your health. Um, and the savings in the long run over buying flowers may be worth it to you and the health of it. But you could also consider that your entire family goes gluten-free, so then your mill would work for your entire family. Um, I can't remember, is it Melissa or Amy? Melissa is the one who has the Nutramil. To my knowledge, there's no way to clean the Nutramil out, so it's, you know, you would have to be starting from scratch anyway. Um, Amy, I don't know what kind of grinder you have, so it just depends on how easily it can be cleaned. And you could contact the manufacturer, but that's pretty much the issue there. Um, oh, and if you had a Vitamix and you're using that to mill, which works great for softer things like oats and, and whatnot, but does not make great fine flours for the hard grains and seeds, but if you're using a Vitamix, um, that cleans really easily because it's the dry container can be washed completely out. So there's probably very little risk there of cross-contamination, especially in the instance of intolerances or sensitivities. Um, you can make the call for yourself with celiac disease. Okay, so what about nut seed flours? Amy asked, I would love to know more about milling nut flours. I haven't attempted making my own yet and I'd love your advice. I use nut flours as opposed to tapioca, rice, potato, and most other gluten-free flours, as I seem to react to them almost worse than gluten-containing flours. Okay, so yes, you can make your own nut seed flours, even coconut flour. You've got almond, flax, chia, coconut. So if you have a steel or cast iron burr mill, 
which this is not, this is a stone mill, that will do oily things like you're talking about. You can also use a Vitamix um, or a Blendtec, I believe. I, I don't have that much experience with the Blendtec and my few experiences, I don't prefer it over the Vitamix because I really love the Vitamix tamper for circulating things. Um, you just need to be careful because those are so powerful that you can take your nuts um, into like to flour, to paste, to butter really fast. <laughs> and so a butter um, is not really a flour, it's too wet because the thing is it's been ground to the point where it's released the fat and then you get, you know, like I said, a paste or a butter. So be careful of that. A coffee grinder, as I said before, works really well for small amounts of flax or chia. Um, and like I said, I tested this mock mill with coconut and almond uh, this morning. I tried un, I tried defatted coconut, but it still had too much um, fat in it, so it made a paste. And I tried very dry sprouted almonds. Um, and that again made a paste all over the stones. So it really doesn't work for those, they're too oily. The good news is it cleaned in really fast. I mean, just take it apart, pull out the stones, scrape, put it back together, run some dry rice through and it's just clean. So not a big deal, it was worth experimenting and there's your answer. Okay, so um, I'm also gonna do a quick demonstration now on the mock mill for gluten-free flours. So like we did last week when I showed you how to do einkorn, which is a gluten-containing flour, you wanna start with dry grain and clean grain, not clean in terms of water, has to be very dry, but make sure there's no debris or rocks in the grain. Um, and you're gonna add the, you're gonna, well, I need to move this out of the way. I have a clean bowl here for more. Um, so I've got several grains here, teff and millet and rice and quinoa. And I'm gonna turn, I have the mill set to the finest setting because I want a fine flour, which is this knob right here. It's set at one, which is fine. And the steps are to turn the mill on and then I'm just gonna add the flour one right after another, okay? And it's important um, that you don't turn it off with flour, with grain still in the hopper because then you could bind up the stones. So, no matter how long it takes, we're just gonna let this run, okay? So I'm gonna turn it on, I'm just gonna add the flowers in succession. This is Teff. So like I told you at the um, transcript, askwardy.tv episode 98, I have recipes for gluten-free flour blends and I suggested some flours, but it's so like the sky is the limit what you could use. And I just literally this morning pulled out quinoa, which by the way, comes from Costco and it's organic and it's pre-rinsed and then dried so it doesn't have the bitter coating. Um, so I pulled out rice and quinoa and teff and uh, millet. And I just did a cup of each. So that's considered equal amounts according to my recipe. So this would be like my whole grain flour blend that would be like for heartier, heartier baked goods. Muffins and um, like a pseudo cornbread, um, pancakes, you know, that would just work. And if I wanted to be lighter, like more pastry-like, I would add like a cup of starch to this, arrowroot or tapioca. 
And that's as simple as it is, really simple. It's more healthy, it's cheaper, it gives me better results in baked goods, and it's super easy. Um, smells pretty good too, really fresh. So that would be on hand then for baking. I just keep it in the fridge. I will keep it in the fridge or freezer. So the mock mill, I want to take a moment and tell you about it, and then I'm going to talk to you about sourcing your organic gluten-free grains. This mock mill is a home stone grain mill, and I did, I showed you how to work it this week and last week. Um, it's made in Germany by a man named Wolfgang Mock, thus the mock mill. <laughs> and it's brand new on the market, but Wolfgang Mock has been making mills for over 40 years. He was the pioneer of uh, home grain milling and especially stone mills and I really love the stone mill because it's very versatile um, as you're gonna see in another episode we're gonna actually be able to crack grains for porridge here which the the mock mill can do that because it's stone whereas my previous mill the Nutramill cannot crack grains it only does flour and before that I used the Vitamix which doesn't produce as fine a flour so this this stone mill is really versatile for our family and it produces a cool-to-the-touch flour, which I think is healthier, and um, it's versatile. So that's why I love it. Um, so stone mills used to be very expensive. You know, the five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar range. They typically come in wood housings. Well, Wolfgang Mock has has put this mill on the market that has all recycled material housing, so it's much less expensive. Um, which you'll see if you go to tradcookschool.com slash mockmill, M-O-C-K-M-I-L-L, all one word. Um, so really this mill has the best features from Wolfgang Mock's long milling career building stone mills, but it's much less expensive because of the housing he chose. So it's like finally an affordable home mill. Um, and like I said, the flour is fine. It's very versatile because it can crack grains, and this flour is cool to the touch. The flour comes out warmer with the Nutramil and the Vitamix. Um, as a bonus with your purchase, they include two PDF eBooks. One is a farm directory and grain milling guide, which you can kind of see in this picture. And the other is a recipe guide, and that comes from them as a bonus. And I also have two bonuses to throw in if you decide to purchase it. So first you go to tradcookschool.com slash mockmill. You can check out all the details. If you decide to purchase, then um, you're gonna get two ebooks from me actually ebook and video packages our sourdough a to z and our einkorn baking packages they each are the ebook which is all the materials for our online class plus a set of masterclass videos that just demonstrate some of the stuff from the from the class so if you purchase the mock mill i'm throwing those in and that's for a limited time so be sure to check it out and make your decision soon you can claim the bonuses at tradcookschool.com slash mill bonus that's all one word, mill bonus. Okay, so our final question in today's episode comes from Mary. She's asking where to buy um, gluten-free grains for milling, which is a general question, but Mary's also asking specifically about celiac safe grains. She's contacted various mills, she's looked around, and she's having trouble finding celiac safe mills. So I'm gonna answer her question generally, but I'm gonna turn it over to all of you because you may have more information. She says, um, are you able to find celiac safe rice and other grains for milling? Even our local rice farms tell us that because of drift, they can't guarantee that their rice is celiac safe. When we cook rice, we rinse it very well since gluten washes off. But when we've tried that on milling, rinsing then drying, it seems to clog the dry grinder. Okay. 
Well, Mary, I'm not actually familiar with celiac safe rice, and I think like you're doing, contacting your local farms, it's gonna vary from farm to farm, so that's my best advice is to just keep contacting. And what I'm gonna do now is turn it over to all of our listeners who are watching, reading, uh, listening right now. If any of you are celiac as well, or someone in your family is, and you have gone down this same road and can give um, Mary some tips, please do leave the info in the comments, either at askwardy.tv episode 98 or right on Facebook. Just if you have any known farms for rice or other gluten-free grains that you know are celiac safe, please do, um, please do share and help Mary out. Um, in general, at the transcript or below this video, you'll see a link to a search on Amazon for organic um, bulk whole grains. So that's kind of where I start if we don't have a local source. There's Azure Standard also, which is a um, natural food warehouse that delivers across the country. They're not in every area, but you could start there and ask if there's a group, a buying group in your area. Um, there's also local farms. And the booklet that I told you comes with the mock mill is a local farm directory that can give you some resources. Um, off the top of my head, I know there's Bluebird Grain Farms that you could check out. I'm not sure. I, I think they probably have some gluten-free options you could check out, and they're in Washington. Um, there's just other farms kind of all over the country. So word of mouth or asking around or looking through these directories could help lead you to them. And a number of them are selling on Amazon now, so that could be your like first introduction to them and then you could go and contact them later on your own, like not through Amazon for bigger bulk purchases. Okay, so we're gonna wrap this up today. Um, it's been a lot of information on gluten-free grain milling. If you have future or related questions, be sure to leave them in the comments so we can answer you. Danielle is there on Facebook right now keeping up with your comments and I will go back later. We do have two more episodes on home grain milling coming next Wednesday and the following Wednesday, so I hope you'll come back. We're gonna tackle um, using the flour because when you mill freshly ground flour, it doesn't behave the same in recipes, so there's some tips tricks and just substitution guidelines I want to share with you for how to adjust your recipes for fresh gown flour. Another episode, which will be the very last one in November, we're going to talk about fun ways to use your grain mill, like cracking your greens for porridge, so that'll be fun as well. Um, and I also want to invite you tomorrow. Now, um, I have a special guest coming. We're going to do an online web class, and it's going to be 3 p.m. Eastern. If you just go to my Facebook page, you'll catch it running. If you're an email subscriber, I will be sending out a link Thursday morning, and that's November uh, November 16th, <laughs> I think. Uh, you'll get a link by email, but I want to give you a heads up that that's coming tomorrow. I will record it, and I will add a link um, with this transcript, so for whatever reason you you missed it, you'll still be able to see it later, okay? Um, and I want to thank... Uh, Vicki Lynn Haycraft, who's my milling mentor years and years ago, who got us into home grain milling. I also want to thank Wolfgang Mock um, for providing us with this mill and for Jade Coyle at einkorn.com, which is where we love to buy our einkorn, and he's been invaluable for just introducing me to this mill and teaching me the ins and outs of it. At askwardy.tv, you will find more links to the Nutramill, the Mock Mill, how to claim your bonuses from me, a link to last week's episode, and just lots of information. It's askwardy.tv. Look for episode 98. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I'll hopefully see you tomorrow, but definitely next Wednesday and the following Wednesday as we continue our series on home grain milling. God bless you. Bye-bye.
Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask Wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWardy. Or send an email to Wardy at AskWardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to AskWardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at TradCookSchool on the Periscope app or go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the Podcasts app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.